Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live. Giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Blue, White and Yellow episode five. We were saying last week, couldn't believe it's episode four, but it is episode five now. It's going so quickly and we are joined by another face, someone who has been on the show before, Joe Mewis. Joe, is this your second appearance? Uh, I think this is my third appearance. I think this is my hat <laughs> trick, actually. Um, you yeah, well, well, me. Uh, yeah, well, while you were off, I was uh, I was keeping Joe and Baron company. So, yeah, good to be back on. Yeah, good to have you back, mate. And um, the original, JD, have you been on every single one now? Uh, you know, it's availability is the best thing in football, isn't it? So, you know, being being constantly here on the pod, it's just, you know, it's just part of the job. It's, uh, you know, not too, not too much hassle. But yeah, no, it's good to be on, good to to be on with the, the, the dream trio. Very much the, um, the Stuart Dallas, aren't you, Joe? You, you've come from, <laughs> from host to guest. You're there every week. It's, uh, you are our Dallas. Leeds born yeah, Stuart Dallas, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know if we're going to start putting footballers to our names. I don't know who I'd be or who Baron would be. Yeah, just we, we've got to think about that. But um, well, well, Baron is the spit of Diego Llorente, um, so, so I think we've got that <laughs> one covered. I have thought that. I have thought that many a times. Actually, there's an image of Llorente wrestling with a an attacker, and it's just the spit of Baron. That's why I just ran on the pitch and uh, started getting involved. But. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a fair few things to touch on before we start. Obviously, our thoughts go out to uh, Mick Bates' family after the ex Leeds United player lost his life at the age of seventy three. One hundred and ninety one appearances between nineteen sixty five and nineteen seventy six. I mean, it's it's pretty it's a pretty formidable record that. And um, Joe, yeah, it's, 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 it's it was a very sad day for Leeds United, wasn't it? Yeah, really sad news that. Um, obviously, we, we've lost quite a few of these um, these Leeds legends recently. Um, he's, he's another member of the the Don Revy team that did so well. Um, you know, he's um, not as well known, I don't think, compared to you know some of the names we've lost: Norman Hunter, Jack Charlton, amongst the sort of the general football fan public. But um, as, as far as Leeds players go, you know, he, I think he epitomised the the side before self more as much as anyone in that era because he. He spent 12 years as a pro at the club, mainly competing with Billy Bremner and, and Johnny Giles to get in midfield. You know, it's, you, you can't really find a tougher midfield duo to try and get past. But, you know, he didn't complain. He um, he cracked on. He had chances to leave. Clubs were in for him during the time. He always turned them down just because he, he loved Leeds so much. Um, and I think his, his most famous moment was was the goal in the 1971 Fairs Cup final. Uh, he got the sort of the crucial away goal against Juventus that, that saw Leeds lift the trophy. And... Um, so, yeah, so he'll, he'll forever have a place in, in Leeds United history. Um, and there were some really nice words from Eddie Gray on, on the Leeds website uh, this week, which sort of shows you how respected he was amongst his players there. So, so yeah, so it's a sad loss. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's been too many of those over the last 18 months or so. So, guys, obviously, we had the Euro final on Sunday night. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still really struggling with it, to be honest. I'm not fully in Leeds mode. I'm, I'm, I'm really still in the England mode now and Calvin Phillips for England. And, yeah, I think it's, we've just been wrapped in this unbelievable tournament for the past month. I mean, JD... <laughs> 
what did you make of the final, mate? It was it was pretty exciting, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was nerve wracking for I think for anyone of an England persuasion because it was just you know that that fifty five years taking the lead so early on. I mean, it hit fever pitch from what a minute and thirty seconds in. It was just you know that that really set the tone for the game, but not in the way that probably um, most fans would have wanted because. Uh, you know, England then sitting back and kind of inviting the pressure, Italy growing into the game gradually. Um, I, I, I think it was, it, it's a difficult one to, to, to take for, for England because, you know, there's yeah, getting so close, but then being denied by the lottery of a penalty shootout. It's always going to, it's always going to hurt. It's always going to rankle. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it, it's so, so important that, that we, we, we shine a light on on the, the work that, that Calvin Phillips did, but also the, the entire England team. You know, this was a really young, diverse, you know, brave, courageous team that, that went out there. They just played their own game. Um, they, they stuck to, to the Southgate blueprint. And, you know, despite the, the criticisms, I mean, we look back at some of the some of the comments that were made before the tournament and it was like, oh, well, it'll be Rice or Phillips alongside Henderson. You know, even if he's not fit, he's just got that experience, all these buzzwords and, you know, oh, it's too negative under Southgate. I'll tell you what isn't negative, getting to a, a major European men's final for the first time in 55 years, is it? So I think... A lot of the time in tournament football, you have to be pragmatic. And Southgate was being pragmatic in that final because, you know, if if England hold out to win 1-0 and, you know, who's to say that that, that nearly didn't happen? You know, with, the, you know, Italy didn't really create an awful lot apart from the, the, the goal that they eventually scored, which was which was scrappy for Italy. Um but if if they hold on, then he's a genius, isn't he? It's the same scenario for for giving the penalties to to, to Rashford, Sancho, and Saka. If those three score, or if two of those three score, and, and England win the shootout, it's a masterstroke to to have brought them on in the 120th minute. So swings and roundabouts, really. But um, I think they, they, while there'll be disappointment for now, there's definitely a World Cup or a Euros that's going to come home in the next four, five, six years. I reckon. I felt throughout the game that England really had to press for that second goal. I mean, I thought the first 25, 30 minutes, they were absolutely fantastic. Probably the best uh, football we've seen in, in the tournament, really, arguably under Southgate. I mean, it, it just seemed that that after that goal and and, and we pressed obviously for 25-ish minutes, we, we started to sit back and Italy started gaining a bit of control, didn't they? And, and, and it all started to turn from there, really. Yeah, it's, it's such a long time, isn't it, to defend for? Um, as, as you said, they, they started brightly, so it wasn't... It wasn't 88 minutes of, you know, men behind the ball, but it, it wasn't too far off. And I think, you know, Italy, have, they, they have the energy, the, the attacking players. And although they didn't create too many chances, I think it's, it is a bit long, isn't it, to um, to just sit back. Bit, from being picky, I mean, which I don't think we really should be of Gareth Southgate. You know, he's he's delivered an, an, in this tournament, hasn't he? You know, it's it's been a great run to the final. But it's perhaps it's the sort of the lack of adjustment at halftime because... I think we all knew that Italy were going to come out for the second half. You know, they, they were going to make their changes. Mancini was going to be more proactive. Um, so for Southgate, just to sort of think, let's just keep with the same same way of playing. You know, perhaps perhaps that wasn't wasn't the right call. Um, you know, he's he's very sure of his convictions, isn't he, Southgate? He, in that sense, he reminds you of someone like Bielsa, doesn't he? You know, he had his style of play, and he and he, and he was sticking to it. You know, it's pretty much the opposite style of play at times as Bielsa, but. As, as Bielsa would say, they're all they're all valid ways of playing. But um, yeah, it just you, you got that feeling, didn't you? Your second half, you were just like, can them seeing it through and, and not conceding was was such a big ask, and it came. And then 
yeah, when extra time rolls around, you know, it's extra time of a final. These teams have played so many games. They're tired. They're probably just waiting for mistakes either side. So you knew penalties were, were more than likely coming. And it's another one to the England heartbreak penalty list, isn't it? It's uh, it's, it's been a little while since we've had had one sort of so well. I suppose it's the World Cup, wasn't it? it hasn't been long at all. I'm trying to trying to block these out, but yeah, I think this one hurts a bit more because certainly as as people who cover Leeds United, we were all perhaps a bit more invested in it because of Calvin Phillips. You know, this is the first major tournament I can remember where there's been a Leeds United player front and centre of it, um, and you know. You know, we could sit here all day and, and talk about how good Calvin Phillips is. You know, that's what we've done on the website yeah, the last few days. So I think it's it's a bit more of a sucker punch, isn't it, to to see Calvin that upset because it, it would have been such a fairy tale, wouldn't it, for him to have for him to have got over the line. Um, and yeah, yesterday was was a tough day. Obviously, we had to um, sort of sit around and write about it all day. I think I said to you, Joe, they're the days that perhaps we all want to be in an office together rather than working remotely still because. You just want to sort of sit there and, and pull your collective misery, which is which is how it all felt yesterday. So, um, yeah, a bit brighter today. Um, you can look at the positives. Um, Calvin's coming back to Leeds. He's going to come back a, a better player. And, um, yeah, no more England penalty heartbreak for at least 18 months. I mean, it's the one day of the year that you don't want to be a football journalist, really. And, I mean, there's, yeah. only, one, there's only one day, but it, it was, yeah, it was yesterday, wasn't it? It was just... It was kind of a bit oh, just demoralising because you knew that just the, the the pin had gone to the balloon, hadn't it? It was just, you know, I, I, it, it was it was tough. But I think one thing we have to discuss, and, and Connor, I know you, you you sent messages on the chat and whatnot about this, and we we had a, a video of this on the account, and you know, it was the the, the aerial view of as soon as Bakayo Saka misses that penalty, um, Calvin Phillips is the one who he starts to walk and then he starts to jog uh, over to to Saka, and you know, he's he's absolutely swarmed. By all those Italian players and staff who've gone to to congratulate Donnarumma for for saving it, that last penalty, but but Phillips is straight there, um, and I think I, I, I I'm I'm probably not going to be able to put it into into words, but just the the humility and the the integrity and the sort of the the awareness and the appreciation of the situation that Phillips was in uh, at that Euros kind of came full circle uh, in in the, those final moments. You know, it was. I mean, it was side before self, wasn't it? He went to console Saka before sort of thinking about his own his own misery, his own personal disappointment. Um, and then the when the, the sort of the silver medals, uh, the presentation that was that, that was something which I thought was was quite touching as well because you know he's Phillips is is he's not he's not been in the the academy system like the Mason Mounts of of that squad since he was five years old. You know he he joined Leeds when he was fourteen, fifteen. Um, I mean, this is the first year. I mean, it's, it literally has not even been 12 months that Leeds have been a Premier League club. And it's, you know, I think it was, everything was kind of catching up with him a little bit. And it just, I think it was good to see that he recognised that, that it was a, a pretty abnormal situation for a player with his trajectory to, to be in. And I think that shows that, you know, he 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 is keeping his feet very much on the ground. Um, and, what more could you want? You know, he's coming back to Leeds this summer, um, hopefully after a few weeks off and rest up that shoulder and whatnot um, and, and the legs. Because, I mean, he covered, what, 30 kilometres in the last two games? Oh, ridiculous. Um, but I just think that that, should, that showed what... I mean, we've all seen what Calvin Phillips the player is, but I think we in those final few moments, we saw what Calvin Phillips the man was as well. Yeah, and no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a really nice point in that, Joe. I think... Yeah, at the end, it was, I mean, to be able to do that in a final when, you know, like you, you were just saying there, 
from a personal standpoint, you were so close, you'd be heartbroken, wouldn't you? We were all heartbroken. But to be able to think of someone else in that moment, like he did, and just run up to him and not care about anything else, not even himself, just to be around Saka, like hug Saka, I think that shows just the deepest level of humility. And it's captain material, isn't it? And that's what we keep speaking about with Leeds United in the future, Calvin Phillips having that captain's armband. I'm, I mean... Joe Mewis, how, how how far is that away, mate? Well, I think Liam Cooper would have something to say about that for now. Um, you know, I mean, Bielsa famously um, leaves it up to the players, doesn't he, to decide the captain? That's that's what he said. So, uh, and you know, I think it's a measure of of Calvin's personality that he will not march in there and say, "I demand to be captain." Will he? <laughs> that's that's totally not something he's going to do. So. I, th- I think the armband's with Cooper for now. Um, obviously, Cooper isn't the youngest member of the squad, but I, I think he's still got a few years left in him. Um, Ailing's always backed him up, hasn't he, as captain? So I think Phillips's day will come, but, you, you know, he is only 25 still. Um, and he's, but, he, but he's such a good good personality to have around the squad, isn't he? You know, you can, you can see it's Bielsa's influence, a lot of it as well. Um, you know, in his humility and, and, and the way he handles himself. You know, not taking anything away because this is what Calvin's like. This is how he's always been. But, um, you know, you don't work with someone like Marcelo Bielsa for three years and, and don't have any of it rub off on him. And I think that's what we've seen. And even it, just in the Ital- Italy game in, in terms of performance, that thirty, that first 30 minutes, I thought him and Declan Rice were absolutely outstanding, JD. Absolutely outstanding. They, they really put Jorginho and Verratti on the back burner, didn't they? I mean, in seven, yeah, in seven games, what they've done is they've mended any sort of um, sort of discussions or heated debates around whether who, who's the better player, Rice or Phillips. It's it's the Messi and Ronaldo debate now. Let's just appreciate them both that they're both playing in the Premier League at the same time. Um, it's that sort of thing because I mean, they, they were they, throughout the entire tournament. I mean, Jordan Henderson was subbed on five times. You know, there was the debate around whether he'd be fit to play at Euro twenty twenty. Um, he clearly was fit because he came on five times, each time for Declan Rice, it must be said. Um, but, you know, the, the, that was Southgate saying, you know what, these lads, these young lads have, have, have proved to me in the middle of midfield, in my engine room, that it, they're, they're good enough to, 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 to lead England to a major final and to within touching distance of, um, of, of major silverware. Uh, and I think it speaks volumes that England, and I keep coming back to this, I've said this on a few podcasts now, but England didn't concede a single goal from open play in those seven games at, at Euro 2020. That's a, a big part of that is not just the defensive organisation, but the buffer in front, which was Phillips and Rice. And we've seen Phillips's pressing numbers at Leeds. We saw it, I mean, everybody saw it at Euro 2020. Um, you know, he was just in the, in that middle third of the pitch, no one was safe if they had the ball. He was just everywhere. He was darting after them. I mean, not always successful, but just putting that pressure on, what it does, it just, it hurries you and it makes you not have the time to pick that pass. I mean, you know, if Kieran Trippier hadn't had the time to to pick the pass to, to, to Luke Shaw on the other side of the box because of Kyle Walker's overlap, um, you know, the England wouldn't have scored that early opener. The, there's so much that Calvin Phillips does, which is off the ball, which goes so so under the radar still, I think. Um, but I think over the course of the the, the, the European Championships, most people have come round to the idea that that he is a top level player. He is someone who you know deserves to be in the conversation for team of the tournaments and whatnot, and and definitely is a is a, a top top Premier League player. Yeah, it does get slightly frustrating, doesn't it, Joe Mewis, when you, when you consistently hear 
get Henderson in. Henderson's had the big semi-finals. He's had the big final. That that sort of rhetoric, that notion, it does get slightly frustrating with the the caliber of what Calvin has been in this tournament. Yeah, and that's why we should all be glad that Gareth Southgate's going to go nowhere as manager because he doesn't listen to it, does he? You know, um, it's become perfectly clear over, over this last month where Phillips lies in in the pecking order. I mean. Perhaps he's been fortunate in that Henderson was injured for a really big chunk of the season, um, but he's taken full opportunity and, you know, he's, he's won over Southgate. And as you said, Joe, the fact that Henderson did come on five times every time for Declan Rice speaks volumes about how important he is. You know, we saw, we saw on um, on Sunday night uh, after a few, you know, switches around, Phillips back in his Leeds role, wasn't he more, you know, shielding the back four, which um, was, you know, I quite like seeing that, you know, it's sort of comforting, isn't it? You know, when you say, oh yeah, that's, that's where we know Calvin is playing. Um, and, and he was back there and yeah, I don't think Southgate's going to, going to listen to these people that do criticize Phillips, you know, these lazy criticisms that you see doesn't pass the ball forwards, you know, he's just a, a clogger in midfield or whatever, you know, obviously having watched Leeds for so long, we know exactly what Calvin brings. The stats back it up when you look at the number of passes into the opposition half, you know, um, the, the ground he covers. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, what's another good thing there is is Southgate. You know, it's an exciting England future, I think, for Calvin now. You know, I'd be very surprised if he isn't in that starting 11 when the World Cup qualifiers swing by in September. Yeah, it's that unfashionable tag, isn't it, JD? Mm-hmm. I think annoys a lot of Leeds fans. You've, you've heard it quoted on so many different, you know, articles and podcasts and stuff like that. It's the unfashionable... It, KB's not unfashionable, is he? He's a Rolls-Royce. He is, he's Rolls-Royce, isn't he? I think it's just the fact that, you know, there's been, over the past decade or so, which it must be said has been a decade of mediocrity for England, um, there's been uh, there's been a leaning towards the better. I mean, probably even further than that, the past 20 years, there's been a leaning towards England teams, England starting 11s being punctuated by players who play at the big teams, your Liverpool's, Chelsea's, Man United's, Man City's, those types of teams. Um, but, it's. I mean, we've seen in this tournament that the the sum of, the, the, you know, the the sum of its parts, the England team is made up of players at, at various different teams. I mean, a midfield duo made up of uh, a West Ham a West Ham midfielder and a Leeds midfielder was arguably the best partnership in that position in the um in in the entire tournament. I mean, these are two teams who finished, admittedly, yeah, top half last season, but next season could quite easily find themselves in mid table. Um, you know, it's and I think that comes back to the Southgate debate. You know, it's he he picks the best players for the team dynamic, not the best individual eleven players, and tries to f- to fashion them into a into a, a starting lineup. And that obviously that speaks to why he's been so successful as a manager because he he doesn't listen to the, all the noise and the bluster and the the criticism about he doesn't know what he's doing or is that this that and the other. That is forever out the window after the the past two tournaments. I think you know when Qatar twenty twenty two rolls around, which that it's going to creep up on us. It's only 16 months away. Um, I, I think I echo what, what Joe was saying. You know, Calvin Phillips is going to be, if not in that, I mean, he's without question going to be in that squad, provided he, God forbid, he doesn't get injured or anything like that. Um, but I'd, I'd say there's probably a very strong chance that he'll be in that starting 11 again. So, yeah, unfortunately, we did hear and see some unsavoury things after the penalty shootout. Saka, Sancho and Marcus Rashford were uh, abused online, which 
it seems to follow it seems to follow after any sort of major event which is it's despicable it's disgusting there's so many things that you can say about it really but it was really sad to see that you had you know three players who, who you know were very brave in terms of taking the penalty Joe Mewis and and it didn't work out for them but then they were subject to some horrendous things online and and we really need to start eradicating this from football don't we mate yeah, we do. It was, it was horrible to see, wasn't it? You know, as you say, these these three young players have put their hand up in a penalty shootout. I mean, you know, we can't begin to imagine what a stressful situation that would be. You know, at the end of the tournament, you know how many people are watching, you know how big a, big a deal it is, and then they're brave enough to go and do it. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was horrible. I mean, I think Tyrone Mings hit the nail completely on the head with, with, with his tweet last night, you know, um, talking about... Uh, the way the government, you know, failed to, um, you know, back their their Black Lives Matter protest, back the kneeling, you know, it, it fathoms belief really that the person, people leading this country, don't support the England football team when they're trying to make a stand against racism, and that's ultimately what they did. You know, they threw around the phrase gesture politics, um, the, the government, and you know, these are the same people. Boris Johnson put 300 St George's crosses outside his uh, his house this week. You know that, that's a gesture, isn't it? As well, so it's it's such a shame that there is like hypocrisy right at the top level. You know, you see how how good a leader Gareth Southgate is, and then you know you compare it to the people that are running the country, and it's it's really sad. So it you know it needs to come from from the top. You know, it's it's not just football. It's it's football shining a light on bigger issues in society, um, and. Yeah, I, th- I think that the government needs to do more. They need to, you know, put a stronger message out there. I think the social media platforms need to do more. And a lot of that, again, comes from the government legislation, doesn't it? This toothless legislation that they put out there. They need to be, um, you know, making sure they are they're properly punished for having this, this you know, horrible stuff on their platforms. And, um, yeah, it, it just goes to show that um, a lot more work's needed and, you know, I think this England team will will continue to to speak up for what's right and you know fair play to them. That's really good. I think it comes back to something that that Meza Dersel said about the, the the German Football Association back in 2018. It was you know I'm I'm a German when I win, but I'm an immigrant when we lose. And I think that far too many far too many individuals, and I say individuals because they are individuals. I mean we've seen the the outpouring of love and support for. For, for Rashford with the mural that was defaced, um, the you know Bakayo Saka for, for obviously the penalty miss and Jaden Sancho as well. We've seen an outpouring of support, and I think it's important to focus on that as well. But it's it comes back to the fact that there are too many individuals who who do perhaps just. It, I, I mean, it's something that misdirected anger. I'm not sure where it comes from, but it's very sad. It's it's cowardly more than anything. The um the the decision to to then go and racially abuse somebody for something which they would never have the 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 guts to go and do themselves and it's and and I think Joe you're, you're correct with what you're saying you know the the whole gesture politics debate I think Tyrone Mings speaking out was very important um I think the the work that Marcus Rashford has done over the past year uh in in opposition to to the the, the government's votes on on stuff like free school meals and stuff like that you know this has been this is an england team which you can be proud of because of the players within it if you can't be if you're still going to to go and say hateful things about them after something as trivial as a missed penalty and i do say trivial as a missed penalty when they're doing things which are enacting real change in 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 people's lives you know helping vulnerable children and you know inspiring a next generation um, it, 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 it's, it, it speaks 
volumes about what your character is if that is something which you think is a, is an acceptable and appropriate reactionary thing to do it's just it, it's cowardly and and i think i'm initially i was very very disheartened and, and and upset by it but you know you see the you see the outpouring that, that i just touched on before and that is something which is very redeeming um and when you see the nation come together like that when you see people come together like that it does evoke you know uh, the the emotion of okay so now we need to do some let's let's build on this strike while the iron's hot um you know let's let's eradicate this as as connor said and and i think as as joe said you know this it starts at the at the very top yeah so obviously with us talking about the euros then uh, i think it's important to touch on how leeds are going to line up against the dark side manchester united in God, it's it's getting it's coming round. That gets me a little bit more excited, a little bit more back on the Leeds train. The fact that we're playing Manchester United in four weeks, I still can't get my head round now. Not liking Sancho and not liking Rashford and getting back to that um, mindset. But there you go. It is very, it's very, it's very difficult to do. But I'm sure when I see them put on that red shirt, I'm going to be right back into it. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be obviously a tough game, a tough start for Leeds United, but. With the likes of Calvin Phillips and and the, you know Marcus Rashford, who apparently is going in for surgery, and you know Jaden Sancho, do do we fully expect to see Calvin Phillips for the start of the the start of the season there, JD? Or do you think Marcelo Bielsa is going to have to tinker just purely based on the fitness levels? Uh, I think it'll be interesting because I mean we've seen that Robin Cock has has been back in training uh, this week, and that's I mean by my calculations <clears throat> two weeks two weeks on from from Germany's exit at Euro 2020. So he, he hasn't had an awful lot of time in terms of off sort of off the radar on, on holiday and whatnot. Um, so, I, I mean, like you can imagine Calvin being pretty keen to get back to pre-season anyway. I mean, obviously he's had a very congested, busy season, busy Euros. Cock uh, obviously didn't play for Germany. So that that is a, a factor as well. But you'd imagine that he'd probably want to get at least two to three weeks pre-season under his belt before that first game it's just whether Bielsa then deems that sufficient enough to start the opening game of the season because he has discussed um the the possibility of using Robin Cock as, as the defensive midfielder in in that formation um he's he said it towards the end of the season he said it midway through last season he, he has mentioned it quite a few times and, and Joe Mewis will 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 back me up on this in, in the press conferences. It is something which he does hark back to whenever Calvin's un, unavailable. He repeats himself and says, look, I've said this before, you know, Robin Diego can play in that in that position. Um with the Manchester United players, there's obviously a few who are going to be at the Olympics. Um Leeds United didn't didn't allow um Ilan Melier to, to travel with the French squad because obviously he's a he's a first team player. He's, a, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Um I think it's Eric Bailly and Ahmad Diallo who are going to be missing for Manchester United. So not exactly protagonists, but it's you know it, it lessens the options that are there. Um, but with the likes of Rashford and Sancho and, and Maguire and Shaw, you can't imagine all four not playing. So there may be some element of maybe a little bit of fatigue, maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a Euros hangover, perhaps. Um, but I don't I, I don't envisage Ole Gunnar Solskjaer not starting those four players um, in his. In you know in 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 the the opening game of the season, especially a game of the magnitude that is against Leeds at Old Trafford, I think it's it's one in which you have to take some calculated risks. Um, but having said that, they have the options in in reserve, don't they? So they they will have uh, some some alternatives uh, as as Leeds do. Um, but I I don't know what your thoughts are on it because I mean 
I don't. If if Calvin has two weeks break, he's effectively got two weeks preseason, uh, and that's without taking into consideration that there might be days in transit when he's traveling back from holiday and and whatnot. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, guys. It's going to be tight, isn't it? Um, as you say, Calvin needs at least two weeks off. You'd have thought. Koch, as you say, I think he had 13 days from Germany going out up until um, yesterday when he put put some um, pictures on his Instagram of him undergoing his pre-season tests. Um, and we've seen from the footage Leeds have put out um, early this month just what goes into these pre-season tests as well. You know, it's it just looks like they're having the most complete medical exam ever. You know, um, Koch was showing footage of him on a treadmill in slow motion. I assume that's his is running gate being analysed, you know, it's the the work that they're doing. I mean, that's that's one of the big sort of, you know, the, the medical department are probably the unsung heroes at Leeds United um, under Bielsa. You know, Rob Price is arguably, you know, the most important man after after the main man himself, isn't he? Um, in terms of what this squad have been able to do physically. Um, so it's going to be a close run thing. Um, ideally, you'd want probably a six-week gap, wouldn't you? You get Calvin, get three weeks off, put your feet up, rest from a busy season. Because remember, we had very little break last year as well. So it's going to be a really tough one to sort of run into again. Um, then that would give him three weeks in pre-season. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think Bielsa's confident in Robin Koch in that role. Um, we saw it a bit at the end of last season, didn't we? He looked to be getting better. Uh, Bielsa obviously got Ben White playing there the year before. So, you know, it's... He likes these footballers that, that can do that, can prove they can adapt to these different positions. So even if Calvin isn't quite fit, I, you know, I don't think it would be the end of the world. Obviously, we all want him playing at Old Trafford because, you know, it's arguably the biggest game of the season, isn't it? It's If it's going to be a full Old Trafford um, first day of the season, first day Leeds United fans have are allowed to go to an away game, you know, it's proper occasion, isn't it? But um, yeah, touch and go, I think. We'll have, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think it's uh, you got me a little bit excited there, Joe. You just done a little preview yourself, but yeah. I, I don't even know what I'm. Four weeks I'm, away, mate. Four weeks away. Four it's not week. long at all. <laughs> no, I don't. Just touching on the game as well. What what sort of game are we expecting? I mean, obviously at the end of last season, Leeds United were brilliant. We seemed to shore up a lot more, and it seemed to be that six-two at Old Trafford. That's when it all seemed to change for Leeds. And JD, what sort of game are you expecting down at Old Trafford? I think that genuinely, I think the fans being back, if there's 75,000 in there with however many away fans, you know, I mean, it'll be a full, full, fully sold allocation. I think that's fair to say if away fans are in there. Um, I think that does add something to, to the, to the game because it will, I mean, it will have been what at that point, 18 months since there was last a, a full house at any Premier League ground for a Premier League game. So yeah, I do, I do think that adds an extra element to it, you know, and, in terms of the game, I really don't know. I'd, I'd, it, it won't be a 6-2. It, it won't be anything like that. I think Leeds have got too much know-how about them now. Um, the the second half of the season sh- showed that, especially with the not being beaten at home by any of the so-called big six. That showed that, yeah, this team actually know how to take on, uh, you know, the, 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 the wealthy opposition, shall we say. Um, so... It'll be interesting because first game of the season, it's always a lottery anyway because you don't know which team have had, has had the, you know, the right preparation. The, I mean, nobody's going to have had the same rigorous preseason as Leeds. I, I don't know. I think it's one where it's very difficult to predict. 
Yeah, and you've got to remember how many players Manchester United have had at the Euros as well. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but as you say, you know, even the England contingent, Sancho now, as well as, uh, you know, Maguire, Shaw, um, Rashford, who is potentially undergoing surgery, so he'd miss it. Um, you know, and that's that's just the England players. So, you know, could it be a bit of a, a tired game? I, I don't know. You know, it's, yeah, um, you, you'd, you'd think not at the start of the season, but, you know, there could, could be a few heavy legs come 70, 75 minutes at Old Trafford. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, it's, yeah, it's nearly here. Football, as we know it, as we love it, is uh, it's almost back, isn't it? Yeah, I just... I always think as well with with Leeds' fast start that we normally have under Bielsa and catching some of the big teams cold, really. You know, you look at Man City last season, you look at Liverpool, really, where we we, ha- we just had to get something from that game. We were so unlucky. But it could be an occasion, once again, where Leeds really go and upset the apple cart, JD. It could be. It, it very much could be. I think it'll be, uh, in terms of the, the fitness levels, I think Leeds will probably have the edge just because they've got enough credit in the bank in that in that department. So I think it's fair to say that Leeds will outrun Man United at Old Trafford. Uh, but um, I don't know, It's it, it is interesting because of the, the, the Euros debate, however many of those players are coming back, whether... The um the Sancho dynamic adds something different to it. Obviously, we expect him to be announced any any day now. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, it would be great to see, wouldn't it? First game of the season. How about that for setting the tone for your campaign? It would be it would be quite something, wouldn't it? Yeah, so obviously we saw a little bit of transfer news um, earlier on in the week. Kiko Kassir leaving Leeds United to go to Elche. We don't know whether or not that's going to be, is that going to turn into a permanent move? We're not 100% sure after this loan spell. Um, what's your immediate thoughts on that, Joe Mewis, Kiko going to Elche? I think it probably suits both parties, doesn't it really? Um, you know, obviously, you know, we can't really talk about Kiko with all the baggage that he brings um Bielsa was you know he's been a fierce defender of him um and I, and I think he probably has played a really useful role at Thorpe Arch in the squad you know helping Ilan Mezier develop um but you know he's got that history stacked up against him you know um when, when it comes to you know his his place in the team and everything um you know let's not forget he, he did have a few gaffes in, in him as well when he when he was on the pitch um you know especially sort of the uh, around Christmas of the the championship winning season, you know, um, but um, so I think yeah, it's 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 a good time for him to go. Get some a big wage off the wage bill. Although, admittedly, you would assume that Leeds are paying a chunk of it because um, it'd be quite a lot for Elche to take on. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next now because uh, we we know they're going to go for another goalkeeper. Um, behind them, you've got um, Caprile, who's who's you know a bit too green really. I think, you know, he is potentially one for the future. Um, so it's interesting to see which way they go, whether, you know, you go for the another experienced player like Casilla, who can have this sort of mentorship role um, with with Medlia. But um, by all accounts, it does sound like they are keen on going young again. Um, obviously, you know, it's com- completely worked with Medlia, hasn't it? He's um, surprised us all. Um, you know, Marcus Habad's done, done really good stuff with him there. So... Yeah, I think the, the move suits both parties. You, you can tell Casilla probably wanted to go back to Spain. You know, he's, he's got a young family and everything. So he's probably there, you know, and takes him away from the, some of the scrutiny that he's got over here, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think 
it's it probably needed doing. It's been done again. It's still relatively early in the window. It's um, you know the the players have only it's less than two weeks. They've been back in training, so it does leave leads time to sort out this backup, which is needed. But um, you know whatever happens, I wouldn't expect Meslier to be challengers in the one um, seriously next season. I think I think he'll be in the sticks when it comes to uh, that game at Old Trafford. So yeah, I think- are, you, are you officially ruling out Lee Camp then? I think I think we can officially rule out Lee Camp. Yeah. Right. You know what's quite funny? Last last week when we were discussing Lee Camp, I was thinking about Lee Grant in my head. I, I, <laughs> I got mixed up. So apologies to Lee Camp because I was actually referring to Lee Grant. Yeah, uh, I think you, just you referenced that you referenced referenced him being at Manchester United. Yeah, it was Lee Grant I was talking about. I was I was full <laughs> of rubbish. Um, I think that's an important point though that that Joe makes about um, the fact that it's still pretty early on in the window. Um, this is one which I think most people at the club were were sort of prepared for. I think that you know that it, it was it was uh, Casilla potentially leaving on loan was one which there was probably a contingency plan for. So a, a list of targets, a list of potentials will likely have been drawn up in terms of a backup goalkeeper. So I don't think it'll be one which is going to deadline day to, to bring someone in. It's probably going to be done in the next few weeks, um, depending on whether, you know, Victor Orta is going to go and do another five-day isolation somewhere. But um, I do think it's important that it was it was done early. As Joe says, I think it suits all parties um, you know, Casilla gets to go and play for some football. Uh, Elsie don't have a number one at the moment, um, so that, that benefits him. Obviously, um, Victor Orta obviously used to work at Elche, so he's obviously drawn on those links to to help this one go through, and, and obviously gets a little bit of a little bit of money freed up from from the wage bill. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's one which benefits all parties, and and part of me thinks that perhaps that might be the, the West Brom game might be the last time that we've seen him in a, in a lead shirt because uh, when he when he theoretically returns to Ellen Road um that will be you know he'll, he'll have 12 months remaining on his contract and at, at 35 you know he that means that any sort of compensation fee that anyone's going to sign no one's going to sign him for for whatever his market value will be in a year's time so there might be a there might be a similar sort of agreement that that was struck with with Pablo uh, this summer when his his contract had a year to to go um to to finally get him get him away uh, for for good and obviously that is probably something that after spending a year in Spain with with his family it's probably something that Casilla would would be in favor of as well but obviously not confirmed it won't be until uh for another 12 months but um yeah it's it's one which I think most people are pleased with. And moving on to some other transfer rumours as well. At last, we saw the departure of Rodrigo de Paul today, and he did arrive at Simeone's side in Madrid. He signed for Atletico Madrid for about, I think it was 35 million euros, I believe. So the saga of RDP to Leeds is now officially over. Joe Mewis, how does that make you feel? Uh, pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can, uh, I mean, it's, it's been pretty ridiculous, hasn't it? Because, you know, the club have been saying for the best part of a year, no, nothing in it. You know, may, maybe, you know, a first initial inquiry, but just the, it brings out all the social media cliches of the modern transfer saga, doesn't it? It's it's him posting, it's, you know, uh, scurious gossip columns that's trying to, you know, will the move on. So um, I, for one, I'm, I'm not too gutted that we're not going to see Rodrigo de Paul's name mentioned with Leeds United in the media for the, for the foreseeable. Maybe, um, you know, when we meet Atletico in the Champions League in a couple of years, that, that'll be uh, that'll be the next time we can seriously write about him. 
that would be an interesting narrative, wouldn't it? Rodrigo de Paul playing against Leeds United. The way that you introduced that, Connor, there, it was almost as though he'd left Leeds himself. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he has. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. He's played the same amount of games as Wazim Boy and he left this summer. So yeah. <laughs> there's credence there. But yeah, it's it's. I, I echo that. I think it's just a bit of relief that now there's just some finality to the situation. Um He's he's got a five year deal at Atletico, I think. Uh, so that runs until June twenty twenty six. So um, that will be on a nice lucrative wage, I imagine. Um, given that uh, it's probably Atletico's marquee sign in of the summer, um, and been a good few weeks for him, good few days actually after lifting Copa America with with Argentina and Leo Messi. So yeah, it's um, got it's, the assist as well, didn't he, JD? In I think the final? he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Another rumour that's been sort of circulating this week, and I want to get your guys' opinions on this. Obviously, with Jaden Sancho moving to Manchester United, there's obviously now Dan James has gone down the pecking order even more. Do do we see any movement on that? Joe Mewis, would you would you like to see Dan James come in to Leeds United? Obviously, the interest is is apparently still there, according to some outlets, and uh, you know Leeds are looking for a winger. Yeah, I mean, we we know Leeds are fans with him. um, We've actually seen footage on Take Me Home of Dan James holding up a Leeds shirt at Ellen Road on on that January night a few years ago. Um, I mean, he's he's not set the world alight at Manchester United, has he? Um, You know, for for various reasons. It's, you know, not being able to get the run of the team there. Um, You know, you'd like to think he's the sort of player that Bielsa could could make something, you know, uh, something out of. He's got that pace, hasn't he? So he's got... He's got a dangerous weapon, very direct. Um, I mean, we'll have to see on that one. We'll have to see how um, serious these links are. The from Leeds' point of view, I think a winger is is at the bottom of their shopping list, as it as it were. You know, the left backs ticked off. Uh, now that the the backup goalkeeper comes as probably the uh, the next one to do. We've had talk of this central midfielder. Um, that's uh, that's another one. So a winger's quite far down there. Um, you know, it all depends what Man United would be willing to do. I don't think Dan James is a player that Leeds should particularly spend big money on, um, given how his last couple of years have been, given Leeds' you know, winger situation at the moment. You know, they're not crying out for a winger, are they? Um, you know, it's probably sort of Helder Costa's place that would be in threat, isn't it? When you when you look at this squad, he's the one who's, you know, perhaps not hit the heights he he promised to, um, especially, you know, sort of last season. So yeah, I'm 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 lukewarm on this one. Um, you know, you're not going to see me, uh, you know, cheerleading uh, for this one to come through. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what what we've got, what Victor Orta's got in his his notebook. Because as as we know, like the, the biggest hits at Leeds recently have been these players that we, we've had no idea about, haven't they? You know, who had heard of Rafinha in you know other than sort of your your diehard uh, French uh, French league fans, and you know Meslier as well was another one that. They, they've plucked out and, and emerged from. So, yeah, I, th- I think rather than perhaps going for him because he would, you know, he'd, I think he'd come at a decent price. I think trust in Victor, see what he's got in his uh, up his sleeve. Does Dan James even get in this team if he hypothetically did sign for Leeds? I mean, I think you'd, you'd be hard pushed to to find the Leeds United fan who'd say he would. I mean, the, the money that Manchester United would demand for him, um, given that he does have a contract for a few more years, would probably be around that 15 million mark. Uh, at, at a minimum, because that's what they paid for. I don't see him getting in the, in this team. I don't see Leeds paying another fifteen million for another backup winger. I mean, it's Helder Costa was 50, roughly around that figure, wasn't he? And he's not 
I mean, he, that that shows that you know you can pay over the odds for for players sometimes that that perhaps aren't going to have that much of an impact on the pitch. And I think in terms of style as well, my lasting impression of Dan James is a, is a player who is exclusively effective on the counter. I think if you're coming up against teams um, like Wolves and Brighton, how Leeds did last season, where you're having to break them down then Dan James is, is not going to be pretty effective. Um, and, he's you know, I think he's very good at going down the line, very good at going down the wing. And I think one of the things that makes Leeds wingers or inside forwards uh, effective is that they're, they're good at going inside uh, onto their onto their stronger foot. And and at the moment, this, I mean, I, I would absolutely have Jack Harrison and, and, and Rafinha over over him. Um, and I'd say he's probably be on an even keel with, with Elder, Helder Costa. So... It's one which, similar to, to what Joe's saying, uh, it's one which I, I'm I'm not exactly going to be cheerleading. Um, you know, I'm not going to be shouting it from the rooftops because I think as Victor Orta and his recruitment team have showed, they can identify value. They can identify somebody who is perhaps going to add more, who's perhaps a lot a bit more under the radar. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd have a bit more faith in the in the recruitment team than to. To, then to, to return to transfer targets past, if you will. From what we know as well, there's a lot of discussion around Matthias Kuna. I mean, we were speaking earlier about the, the social media impact of Rodrigo de Paul. I mean, it's it's just, it's reinventing itself with with, with Kuna, isn't it? And Joe Mewis, it, it, there's been reports this week saying that apparently he can leave for 30 million. But I mean, as we sort of know, he's, I think Leeds are, are interested in him. He's on a, he's on a long list, but... I personally can't see that one happening. Can you? Yeah, again, I think, you know, he's been on this long list. He's a player Leeds have looked at. And bear in mind, it's the scouting department's job to look at a lot of players. You know, there's if we if we got a peek inside Victor Orta's database, you would see so many names on there, wouldn't you? Um, you know, this is what they do. Uh, they, they they check everyone. Um Again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can't see this one happening. Um, I think he's, it's more than Leeds want to pay for someone in that in that role. Um, he's about to go off to the the Olympics with Brazil, so Leeds wouldn't be able to get him in until, uh, depending how well Brazil do. When does the Olympic tournament end? It's, I think it's, you know, it's it's in August, isn't it? So, you know, you wouldn't see him for the first month of the season. Then he'd rock up at the end of August with uh, with no preseason under his belt. You know, you look at. Um, how much Rodrigo missed out on having a preseason last year? That was, you know, that was different. That was COVID mainly playing playing the role there in the in the short summer, um, and uh, you know he didn't really he hasn't really hit the heights consistently that I think he probably would have had he had that preseason. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's a no from me, Clive. Thank you so much for listening to the Blue, White and Yellow Elite United podcast. It's episode five. Unbelievable we've got this far. But if you wouldn't mind checking out the website as well, leads-live.co.uk, where you can get more Leeds United content and follow us on all of our social media. Leave us a five-star rating, obviously, and we will catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers.